What are your writing dreams? Finishing that book, quitting the day job, becoming a best-selling author? Well, over four years, we've studied the advice of over 300 best-selling authors who've collectively sold over half a billion books. And we are excited to announce the Best Seller Academy. If you're ready to take your writing to the next level with accountability, craft, and coaching, your bestseller dreams are now only a click away. To find out more and apply, visit bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. That's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark DeVoe. And I am Mark Stone. A huge thank you, as always, to our patrons over on Patreon and our academates on the Academy. If you want to find out what the Academy is about, go to academy.bestsellerexperiment.com. It's all there. Make your writing goals come true. Make them a reality. And you can have us as your coaches as an added bonus. Uh, it's all to play for. Mr. D, how are you this week, sir? I'm doing great. I'm actually really tired. But that probably has something to do with the fact that I had an, an eight, uh, a son turn 18 on Friday oh, and a daughter no. turn 13 on Monday. If that isn't cause for tiredness, I don't know what is. I, I don't know why. What is it about kids like having such close birthdays and so close after Christmas as well? Absolute yeah. nightmare yeah. for presents. But it really is, yeah. My son, here's, I'll shout out to Luke, my son. He is the biggest survivor like nut you know survivor the tv show um right yeah yeah he yeah absolutely he he loves it he loves it it actually all started a few years ago when we sat down and we watched um we watched the bear grills reality tv show about all these celebs going on an island and then and we got mm -hmm. into it but then luke discovered survivor and he now runs his own survivor games at school he like runs a really? club with like hundreds <laughs> of students yeah it's brilliant Fantastic. Um, but for his birthday for his 18th birthday um he said, Dad, you know what I'd really like to do? I'd love to have like a load of friends over and play Survivor, like a short three-hour version. So we had like five hours. Well, it was five hours in the end with challenges and they were doing all crazy <laughs> stuff. It was brilliant. Best laugh we've had in ages. But man, I'm knackered. I tell you, I, <laughs> back in the day, I would have just like all these 18-year-olds these were like, you know, full of energy, running around, sprinting mm. up and down the garden and doing crazy challenges. But just watching them, I was... <laughs> Yeah, it's exhausting. It is exhausting, but it was yeah. it was good fun. But um, yeah, big milestones like a teenager and a an adult all in all in four days. That's a lot to take in as a dad. But yeah. be yeah, drawing your pension soon, Mister. I D. will be drawing my pension. <laughs> Absolutely, looking forward to those bus rides. Uh, there's got to be a book of someone who got a we're turned 65 or however old we're going to have to be now like 97 to retire I think be it's nine, be yeah exactly time, right? but by yeah. the time we get to like being centurions <laughs> and we get our free bus pass I bet you there's I bet you there's a book that someone's written about someone that gets their free bus pass and just gets on a bus and goes <laughs> just like there must be a book because I know. That I there's... think I think there is actually. Yeah. I think there is. It's someone who's done the whole of the UK on their bus pass. Yeah, I, think so. sure. I think Rings so. I think so because I read this bell. I read this great story um, about Harold Fry, and it was about a guy that retired, and then he just he just mm. decided to deliver a, a card to a friend that was actually had um, was was in a, was dying of cancer. 
but he he wanted to he went to post the card, but decided, you know what, I'll just walk to the next post box. It was a bit Forrest Gumpish, but yeah, he ends yeah. up walking from like the south of England up to the north of Scotland or something. And mm. um, and then I thought, well, you probably want to do that on a bus if you had the choice, really. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And how are yeah. you doing, sir? How's your week been? Oh, ro- roller coaster week. Roller coaster really? week. So there's a <laughs> this is uh, there's a project that um, film project that I thought was a dead cert. Things were about to be signed, and now it's on very very thin ice. And it involves mm. us writing a letter to uh, someone in one of the biggest pop bands ever in the world of pop. So there's that. Um, Sorry to be sorry to be vague about this, but years from now I might be able to tell you what this is all about. Uh, and then the flip side of that, funding for a movie uh, has come in uh, this week, so it looks like we might be shooting something later this year, which is very exciting. But again, wow. nothing's confirmed, nothing's yeah. signed. It's all a yeah. bit, you know. Um, and then I have to be very very careful with this one, but. Um, an idea. I, I came up with an idea for a TV show four or five years ago, and it took me about a year to knock it into shape to put together a pitch deck for a TV show, which was about twenty-three pages long. I figured out the whole thing, and I sold it. Um, I, 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 you know, company optioned it, and it's it's gone through various development stages. Now they started shooting this Monday, but I'm not working on it. I'm I'm a script consultant, but I'm not writing on it for various reasons. And again, I'll talk about this further down the line. But basically, it's like I'm standing on the shore and they're on a boat heading towards the horizon. And I'm saying, bon voyage. And they're going, we'll send you a check. <laughs> which, 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 funny, I've just arrived just before we started recording. So. Fantastic. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's been it's been a weird old week. Uh, wow. But. You know, so yeah. And well, I'm, I'm sorry not gonna, to be vague, not, but yeah, I'm not going to delve any more. I'm not going to delve any more. But all I will say is, I'm very much looking forward to talking about this as and when the time is right, folks. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully which, in the next year, maybe. You know, so which, which is sooner, but. which is Morse code for don't miss an episode of the bestseller exactly. experiment. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. yeah, brilliant stuff. Well, that's exciting. What the the life the life? I mean, ups and downs. Do you know what yeah. though? One thing, it, well, I mean, we've said this many times, but it's always good to have a few irons in the fire, isn't it? Because well, it is. I mean, a great I mean, example this week. In our previous episode, we were talking about you know how long have people had projects in development? So I, you know, the the witches of Woodville, I've gone back and I found the first notes of what became, and it had a different title then. It was, it was, it was, you know, the the premise was still the same, but a lot has changed. I found the first notes of what became Woodville in emails from 2008. Mm. So that's how long ago that that's wow. that that took, you know. Yeah. About 12 years of development to to yeah. to arrive. So persistence counts for so much, so yeah. much in this game. Really so does. one I mean one of the things we talked about actually in the academy and we mentioned it last week on the show was about this kind of having multiple projects that people are working on but there's absolutely relevance to having multiple projects out there. Yeah. Doing things like trying to get signed or deals be done have multiple have as many of those as you want out there because you know if they all come in at the same time fantastic but at least if you've if you've only got one that's out there working on your behalf then you know the odds are fairly 
tight, aren't they? I mean, it's it's basically an all or nothing, and they talk about you know eggs and baskets. So, some I think I, the more I think of it, as as we kind of like as we delve deep into this kind of incredible but bonkers world of, of publishing and film and TV and all the rest of it, I think that you just keep working hard on everything and get everything finished and get it out there. It doesn't mean that everything's going to happen straight away, but as you've proven, Mark, you know, over time things start can start happening, and it's great if things, you know, what a great week in some ways. Okay, there's something that's like possibly fallen off a cliff, but something else really good's happened. So yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So, it's 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 all the fun of the fair, you know. It and is absolutely. I was, I was I was I had a coffee with a director, TV director friend, uh, a couple of days ago, and he was saying exactly the same thing. It's it's this idea that you just have to keep, as soon as you finish one thing, you start putting it out there, but then you start work on the next thing straight away. Because if you sit there, first of all, if you sit there waiting for the phone to ring or the email to ping or whatever, it's it's a short road to insanity, frankly, and, and um, disappointment. Uh, whereas if you're working and again we've been saying this in recent episodes if you're happy in the moment if you're happy in that moment when you're working and writing and creating things and creating worlds and characters then you're going to be you know you are going to be happy so uh yeah it's um but yeah it's it just it's just been such a cluster of this week of weird stuff it's yeah. just been so crazy well, it's like when the stars align or the universe is or in the case of uh Elon Musk meteorites smack you, <laughs> your satellites out of the sky. I mean, you just don't know. You just don't know. But there's a concept in sales and marketing called pipelines. And it, I kind of think of that when I think of authors now. It's like this idea that everything has a process from start to finish, you know. So mm-hmm. writing a book has a pipeline. When you start writing a book, you finish your book, you get it edited, you know, you try and find a publisher, you get it, and eventually it gets out there. And there's all these different stages and, you know, it's super important that, you know, a pipeline always have different stages. So you want things happening in different stages if you can, but you want to always be moving something down the pipeline ultimately. But mm. if you've just got that one thing, you know, it's, it's going to make it a lot harder. So yeah. So get those books finished folks and get them out there. That's the message today and every week <laughs> on the bestseller experiment. <laughs> it's like, but it's true though. It's true. Absolutely. It's yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Now, Mr. Stay, um, lots to talk about. Um, but before before we dive into our special guest, I just want to tease people. We want to, um, if people have been following um, the media this last week, there was an incredible story about a young eight-year-old and his book and his local library. And if you haven't heard the story, we're going to be talking about it after, Mark hasn't heard this, so I'm going to like, like mention it later. No, but after, no, we've, after we've done our uh, interview, we're going to have a quick chat about that because it's an absolute brilliant one of my favorite stories of last year um so a little teaser but mark let's talk about our incredible guest this podcast show yes well long time listeners of the podcast will be familiar with a very regular guest called rhoda baxter who's been on the podcast many many times but her real name is jeevani charika and she's british sri lankan and as jeevani she's written books like christmas at the palace this stolen life and a convenient marriage which was an rna awards nominee and her new novel Playing for Love is set in the world of gaming. And we discuss all kinds of stuff. Talk about romance, particularly um, uh, expectations from romance readers and what uh, Jeeve calls the R factor. Uh, What writers can learn from gaming, which is really cool. And what publishers are looking for in 2022. Fantastic. Well, let's dive in and have a listen to Mark speaking to the lovely Jeevani Charika. 
Jeevany, welcome back to the bestseller experiment. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you, Mark. Thank you for having me back. Well, I I think you might hold the record for the the greatest number of return visits, actually. And folks, I'll put the <laughs> links uh, to all the episodes. A number of which are deep dives because um, we first met at the RNA, uh, yes. and then you did very kindly did some deep dives. Uh, there was one on writing romantic comedy, which you did with Jane Lovering, which is. Mm-hmm. A laugh. Um, <laughs> then we did the business of being an author, which covered your your book, which is a fantastic book. And then uh, we did one called Getting Published is Just the Beginning as well. So it's um, yeah, yeah. You've, you've almost been on the show almost as much as me and Mister D. So, uh, this is, <laughs> but you've always been there. I think I think as Rhoda Baxter. Uh, so yes. for um, before we get on to talking about uh, your new Jeevany book, Playing for Love, tell us about Rhoda. Tell us about Jeev. Tell us about yourself. Um, okay, so uh, I wrote a book years and years ago, my first book, which is um, which was about Sri Lankan people, and it was a, a straightforward women's fiction book. They just happened to be Sri Lankan people. Couldn't find a place for it. Uh, it went through the RNA. I got uh, the writer scheme, um, and I got some feedback. And the, the the person reviewing said, "You know what? You have a comedy voice. Waiting, just crying to get out." <laughs> why didn't you just write something for fun, right? So at this point, I was like, yeah, okay, why not? Um, and so I wrote this rom-com with white people, um, and it was just so much fun, right? It was no effort at all, almost, compared to <laughs> three and a half years of writing the first book. Um, and then, then I had a baby. And then uh, pretty soon after that, I got uh, a, a publication offer from a digital first publisher. And they said, oh, will you be using the pen name? And I thought, oh, um, okay. So uh, I'm a microbiologist by training, and I did my PhD on a bacterium called Rhodobacter. So I thought, ah, I know, I'll call myself Rhodobacter. Because, you know, it's the sort of conversation you have in the pub, isn't it? Oh, when I write a book, I'm going to call myself Rhodobacter. Anyway, um, publisher said, oh, yes, that's much easier to spell. And so that I became Rhoda. And I've been Rhoda since... 2011 so 10 years plus now <laughs> crikey yes wow yeah. yeah so um yeah but obviously my real name's Jeevani um so I stopped writing the the South Asian books and sort of wrote a few more books got published by by a different publisher and then you know um and I had written a second book which had Sri Lankan characters in because you know, I was just driven to write these Mm. stories um and that was the one that got me an agent with federica leonardis who i who i submitted to after hearing her on your podcast hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and that did the rounds a bit and we had three offers on that book but none of them were from what it is um and it ended up at hero books with uh with cash um and then by this time, the book had been the book had been rewritten a few times, but it was it was the first book I wrote, but it was my I don't know fifth sixth publication, um, traditionally pub, traditional publication, um, and so yeah, so that w- was always going to be published as Jeevani. In my mind, that was going to be the name that I was going to go with, uh, but then I got asked to write Christmas at the Palace, uh, which was uh, a bit of a, a crazy dash <laughs> um, 
in time for Harry and Meghan's wedding. So it was that whole royal wedding bubble thing that happened. Yeah. Um, and the because it was about a woman of color, the publishers said, "Could we use your real name?" So, mm. so yeah. So I became Jeevani as well. So it's a bit strange at the moment. I'm more Jeevani books, but. Rhoda is like more established name and on Twitter I'm Rhoda Baxter. So Yeah, because Rhoda has 14 novels, novellas from from just yeah. counting and then two non-fiction books, as I said, How to Write Romantic Comedy with Jane Lovering and then Getting Published is just the beginning, which is all about yes. IP rights and contracts, which if you're about to get published, get this book. Get this book. It covers everything. It's also quite UK-focused as well, which is very unusual for this kind of thing. This is an essential book, people. But... Let's put that aside. Tell us about tell us about playing for love, which absolutely fascinates me because it's it's set in the world of of online gaming. Okay, so normally when people say what inspired your book, you've got to think because it was like a thousand little things that fed yeah, yeah. into it. But this one, uh, a few years ago, quite a few years ago now, uh, when my daughter was in primary school, she got into a program called Miraculous Ladybug and Cat Noir, right? <laughs> which is. Uh, which it's a fetch cartoon about these two superheroes called Miraculous Ladybug and Cat Noir and their real life identities. Um, and she's in love with him in one and he's in love with her with the other. There's this love square and it's just lovely, right? So my daughter grew out of it, stopped watching it. I carried on watching it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I kept thinking, I'd love to write something like this. I don't write superhero books yet. You know, you never know. Um, well, um, and I love the whole secret identity thing because you know Spider-Man, Clark Kent, mm-hmm. and Superman. That whole thing is is quite big. Um, and so I thought, you know, how could I do it? And I thought the most, the only way I could think of to make it contemporary was to have an online identity that was secret, or an online identity that was public with a secret real life. And so, um, so yeah, so that's where the whole idea came from. So in playing for love. Samadhi Sam is a fashion entrepreneur who is an amateur gamer, dabbles secretly um, in the evenings to de-stress. And Luke is this blogger, YouTube blogger, who's been doing it for years. And it's he's got this whole persona called Blaze, uh, who's very, very different to him in real life. And Luke in real life is very shy and he's got a massive crush on Sam. And Sam in real life has a massive crush on this YouTube gamer called Blaze. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's what the story is about. It's 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 terrific because I am. Um, it's about online gaming, and we have this assumption of of gamers. We tend to think of mainly men who live in their parents' basements, you know, who are hunched over yeah. a screen or whatever. But um, we're all gamers now. I mean, I'm, I, I was looking at some of the reviews, and uh, one said, "Oh, I'm not a gamer unless you count." An unhealthy addiction to Mario Kart. Yes, you're a gamer. Yes. Um, <laughs> another reviewer said, I'm not into gaming except Animal Crossing. Guess what? It's a game. I mean, my <laughs> daughter, my daughter's well into Animal Crossing. And folks, if you don't know, this is basically like a, a, a town where you live and all these little animals and you could you build a house and you go around collecting things and buying and selling things. It's essentially like the real world, but with little you know raccoons and things. And the other day, she'd lost tracks of, of the day of the week. And she, I remember she said, Oh, it must be Sunday because you can only get turnips from the market on Sunday on Animal Crossing. I mean, this is, you know, we're, we're all gamers now. <laughs> we might not be YouTube gamers like like Luke, but this is um, this is something we're all into now. And I think that's uh, it's it's so yeah. 
so often gaming is is part of a science fiction genre and usually something goes wrong, you get sucked into the game or whatever. But it's, it's lovely to see a romance novel that dips a toe into this because, you know, even if you're just playing Wordle, I mean, God, have you succumbed to this yet? <laughs> no, I, not yet. I've kept, well, I just know. If, <laughs> yeah, if, if I get anywhere near Wordle, that's it. That's the day's product, a week's well, product. That's exactly that my problem, yeah. <laughs> so, but um, it was... You were saying that, and it's actually it was actually quite hard to find an angle to pitch it, right. because all of those stereotypes fit it, feed into it. Mm. And I kept coming up with ways to, and saying to my agent, "How about this?" And she was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So uh, eventually, what swung it was just like a throwaway comment saying, "It's a bit like you've got mail." Yes, uh, and which you know it kind of is, yeah. Um, and yeah. And that kind of fed into the whole rom-com mindset really well. And once we got that pitch, that made a lot more sense yes. to pitch as a romance. Yeah, yeah. That thing of uh, falling in love with someone and not knowing who they who they are. That's a great. Yeah, that's a yeah. great rom-com trope, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. you've got mail as a remake of another film, isn't it? The little sh- oh, is, it okay. the, is it the little shop on the corner or something like that? Because it was too. Uh, Anyway, bookshops, yeah, big bookshops, big bookshop, little bookshop, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's a remake of another older film, which I can't remember. Um, so, yeah, so saying it in this world, are you a big gamer yourself beyond – I mean, if, folks, if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, uh, Jeeve is wearing uh, proper Xbox headphones with a microphone, uh, you know, so clearly you're on World of Warcraft every other minute, are you? No. <laughs> 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 I, I played Tomb Raider. Back in the 90s. Excellent. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Uh, but I have a teenager, and with lockdown, a lot of their friendships have moved online, so she spends a lot of time playing. This is actually her headset. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and um, and the whole YouTube gamer thing, she used to play Minecraft, and there's this guy called Stampy Longnose who has right. a, a kid-friendly Minecraft channel, and mm. Stampy was practically a member of the family for about yeah, a year. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm uh, exposed to gaming quite a lot, but I don't do gaming myself. So I had to do a bit of research. So what was that like? What was was there anything about the gaming world that that lured you in? And is there anything that writers can learn from gaming? Because we talk about the addiction of gaming, and we want people to basically get addicted to our books, don't we? We want them coming yeah. back for more. Is there anything you saw in gaming that you thought we, sh- you know, I can apply that to to my writing? Well, the, the goal, there's always a very clear goal, right? Right, right, right. Especially the quest type things. I'm yeah. doing this in order to get this, mm. and I'm doing that in order to get to the next one. Yeah. So, yeah, so that drive is is always there. Um, from a writer perspective, I mean, I write contemporary romance of women's fiction. I don't write fantasy, but I got to write a fantasy game. I read a lot of fantasy, or I did when I was a teenager. And oh, I so much about, about carnivorous plants and dragons and all these things and I had to tone it down a lot after because like my editor was like yeah too much to <laughs> but oh it was great um and there's something very liberating about writing something completely different even if it's only like intermittent scenes has that has that given you the bug are we going to see uh, a fantasy novel from you soon I really hope you're going to say yes Pro- probably not I don't know, though. I've got an idea, so you never know. <laughs> Come on, do it, do it. I want to read it. Get it out there. Um, yes. Now, now here's, a, here's a bit of cheap psychology for you, because Luke, 
in the novel is living a double life as Blaze, who's mm-hmm. for some reason his name makes me think of that bit in Dodgeball where he goes Blade, Laser, Blazer. Put that to one side. <laughs> um, he's le- he's living living a double life now. You're leading a double life, Giovanni uh, Rhoda. Was did did that help having two personas? Did that help get into his mindset? Um, a little bit. Um, the real difficulty with it was making it believable that two people who know each other in real life wouldn't recognize each other online, or especially when they met in cosplay. Right. I had to do quite a lot of research on the cosplay, and um, ah. Jane Lovering's son is very into cosplay, so he was very helpful. <laughs> Well, cosplay, I mean, I've been, and for listeners who will be going, what the Dickens is cosplay? Whenever you go to a science fiction convention or a Comic Con or whatever, there are people who will dress up as characters from films and comics and games and books. And, and they're very you. convincing. Really good. I mean, I've, I've yeah. been to a few local cons because there's quite a few in Hull. Um, and yeah, really convincing. Yeah. And sometimes people I've seen, like, um, I used to work at the university. You see them around campus in their normal clothes, and then you see them at the weekend dressed as I don't know the Borg or something. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I, remember, I remember the first um, convention I ever went to. Uh, I took my nephew to meet uh, Ray Park, who played Darth Maul, and um, I took my nephew. Of course, it wasn't for me. <clears throat> and uh, I remember seeing, you know, uh, someone, a woman dressed as a Klingon and this sort of bored six-year-old walking around with her. So this is, I mean, it, is, oh, it just made me laugh. But the the le- my ambition as a writer is, you know, it's not the net movie or the Netflix series. It's to see someone dress up as one of my characters in cosplay because I think you've really, you've really arrived when that happens. You know, if someone goes to the yes. effort of sewing, you know, uh, then then that says something about about your place in the the cultural pantheon. But true, anyway, I would yeah. love that, but it doesn't really happen a lot in the romance this is, world. This is why you need to write a fantasy novel <laughs> <laughs> with costumes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about the the romance world, and this is this is something that we talked about on the um, on the deep dive with Jane Lovering, which is episode one nine one, which we'll go into in much more, much more detail then. But I'm I'm always fascinated by the 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 romance genre and reader expectations because every genre readers expect a certain thing from uh, their authors. But I, it seems to me that romance there seems to be an even higher expectation from the readers. You know, you, you have little beats like the meet cute, you know, the the happy ending, all that kind. How do you meet those expectations and keep the story fresh? Um. Partly read a lot in the genre because right. you know you you can you can there's always a little bit of flexibility in each of those things. So writing playing for love, I actually had to have two mute cutes essentially and two storylines. So they they had to have um, one on the on one relationship or full relationship on an online game and one full relationship in real life, and they just had to mix up. So that was quite complicated to do, mm. but. I essentially plotted it in my head as two two rom-com stories and then just had to mesh them together as I went along. Right. Um, how do you do it? I don't know. Mainly practice. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's it's standard three-act structure, really, when you really break, down, break it down. So, yes, you have the thing, you have the obstacle, except the obstacle is the romantic obstacle. Mm. And you have the all is lost. Again, it's all is lost in the romantic sense. Yeah. And then you have the the denouement at the end. Uh, the hardest bit is getting that kind of R factor at the end where 
where the reader goes, oh, that was nice. Let's do another one. <laughs> it is really, really tricky. I um, You very kindly gave me feedback on uh, the first Woodville book, The Crow Folk, because I, I, there is an element of romance running through those books. And I wanted someone who knew their stuff to have a look and set me straight, which you did. Thank you very much. And for me, it is people... I know most genres feel hard done by. Like all the crime writers feel they don't get the credit they deserve. All the science fiction writers feel they don't get the credit they deserve. Romance writers, you know, I, oh, I, th- yeah. I think there is something <laughs> in that though. People assume it's going to be easy and it's not easy. And having tried to do it myself, it's re- <clears throat> you know, having a romantic thread, it's really, really hard. Really, really hard. And it's um and I think the reason is. Is you love these? I think you love these people so much. You don't want to be that cruel to them. You don't want to, you know, keep them apart. Uh, and also, yeah. I've, I've, <clears throat> I've been very lucky. You know, I've, I sort of met my wife when I was, you know, eighteen, and we've been together, you know, nearly thirty years. So I've, I've not had that roller coaster either. But it's, um, it's, it's, it's really hard to to sort of um, put them through hell, isn't it? It is, and also you have to have. Uh... A convincing change in the people. So when when with a romance novel, yes, it is about person meets person, they get together and you know, and then something happens, pulls them apart. It's all of that, but it's also the thing that makes it work and make it makes it believable is that both the characters have to grow towards each other. So you have to have two character arcs, even if you're writing in one pers- person's perspective. The other person has to lean in towards them and it has to be a coming together of people mm. as opposed to just bang, 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 here are your beats. Yeah. And that's yeah. what makes it convincing and that's what makes people care. Yeah. I saw um uh, the bookseller the other day and I saw you tweet about sort of retweet this. They, they were saying that their prediction for the year of what, oh, is this joy? Joy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are looking for books <laughs> with joy. And I think Where this is something... Where find books with <clears throat> I think no you know <laughs> exactly. You know, so if you whether you're reading Giovanni or 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 Rhoda, your books are bursting with joy. So is this going to be your year? I hope so, because <laughs> um, the last two years have been a bit bit. Meh. Um, so yeah, <laughs> for everyone, frankly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I hope so. We'll see. But again, and it's it's going so well so far. It's got quite a lot of reviews on NetGalley, which. Yes, no, and and very very positive stuff as well. But I think again, joy is something that's hard to write. It's kind of easy to be miserable. It's easy to you know tear people apart and 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 wallow in misery with with your writing. But it's quite difficult to write something that's positive without getting too twee, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it is. We're all somehow programmed to be fairly cynical about happiness. Like, you know, like we don't deserve it. Um, and we do deserve it. And you can you can be happy. And I mean, I write uplifting books because that's what we need. And that's, I mean, we read to be somewhere else, to be someone else and to experience things. Um, and so, yeah, why not experience happy things? Excellent. Excellent stuff. I just want to circle back to something that um, we you mentioned at the very beginning, and it's in your bio as well. I'm just going to read this out from your bio. Uh, and this is this is a bit less happy, but this is uh, the first book I wrote was about a bunch of middle-class Sri Lankan people. I couldn't find a home for it, even though I got some very nice rejection notes. The next book I wrote was a rom-com with white main characters in it that found a publisher within a year. 
I mean, public, uh, we've discussed this quite a few times. Publishing is very white. It's very middle class. Um, you had to essentially become Rhoda uh, in order yeah. to get published. Do you see? Is, do you see change? Do you see things getting better, or is it? I mean, it's seems very slow to me. But uh, what's your perspective on this? I think it is changing. Um, I think publishing is well, at least for now, because <laughs> we, you know, we just don't know. At least for now, they're trying to uh, recruit more broadly mm. as well, which is going to be, I think, the main driving force. Because if you are used to only seeing the one thing, um, it's very hard to relate to something that you've not seen before. So I was talking about writing middle-class Sri Lankan people. And if you only experience uh, Asian people, because in this specific case, um, Asian people from books, then the only stories you see are about racism. Mm. They're about the immigrant struggle Um, And they're often literary fiction. Mm. So it's almost like saying, these are the stories that these people have. Those are the only stories they can have. And, you know, like I say, I'm middle class, educated, have a decent job, eat cornflakes for breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I I write rom-coms and it would be, I wanted to see people like me. And I think it became more important after I had children. I wanted my children to be able to see people like themselves. Um, So uh, for Playing for Love, what happened was I had a convenient marriage which got shortlisted for awards and things. That was the Mm. very old first book. Um, And an editor read it. And then she messaged me through my website to say, hi, I'm, you know, I've got Sri Lankan ancestry. And I read this book and I noticed you write rom-coms and I love rom-coms would you be able to write me a rom-com where one of the main characters is Sri Lankan, right? And uh, my first thought was, finally! Because all my novellas that I self-published as Rhoda Baxter, I self-published them because I didn't think anybody would take them. And they have Sri Lankan, uh, either a hero or a heroine Mm. in there. Mm. Uh, But yeah, my second thought was, hang on a minute, is this like, you know, I'm a Nigerian prince, send me loads of money. So I said, you know, editors don't just email you out of the blue like that, surely. (laughs) So um, I sent it to my agent and I was like, "Uh, I got this, is this for real? So she checked it out. She was like, no, it sounds like it's for real. (laughs) So we had a conversation and I pitched her everything I had and uh, she liked this one. So wonderful, wonderful stuff. Well, this is great. It's um, folks, if, uh, you you need to follow Rhoda Jeeve on uh, on social media because it's so much fun. You're 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 constantly putting positive waves out there. Um, the website is amazing because you do things like offer downloadable book club questions for your books. They're press kits. You you're doing everything right. I think you're pushing everything in the right direction, and you are, you know, such a great positive force and such an inspiration to people. So uh, let's get you back on the show again. <laughs> pretty soon <laughs> let's go for a record uh and take it from there but jeev uh best of luck with playing for love and um really looking forward to speaking to you again soon thank you it comes out in february so soon excellent stuff <laughs> all right <laughs> do you know it's so nice mark to know that i'm not the only parent who has kids that love that show miraculous ladybug it's have you ever <laughs> did you ever hear of it before have you come across it 
Not at all. And uh, after Jeeve mentioned it, I looked it up on YouTube and, you know, it's very sweet and very adorable. Not my thing, uh, but, you know, my my kids are too old now. But, uh, yeah, I can see. I can see why. Well, my my 19-year-old still isn't too old because she was texting my now 13-year-old saying, there's a new season on Netflix. Um, It's something that is funny. It's that that show has been a, a mainstay in our family for probably... Oh, it's been going for quite a while now, four or five years. But um, yeah, it's it's so funny because the, it's like like Jeevani ex- explained, like there's these two superheroes and they look, they're basically the same characters, like just dressed up as superheroes. But in real life, when they're just going about their day job, they look exactly the same just without the mask and the cape, yet they can't work out <laughs> that they're super. It's hilarious, but it's really well done. Um, but it's interesting to see how Jeevani used it. Yeah, and just to say, because um, we mentioned You've Got Mail, and You've Got Mail is a remake of The Shop Around the Corner, which was made in 1940 and remade again in 1949 as a film called Good Old Summertime. And before that, it was a Hungarian play called Perfumery. So thank you, Wikipedia, for that. Wow. So it is a concept. It's a concept that the idea that people fall in love uh, either via letters in the old-fashioned one or, or th- you know, via words on the page uh, or online or through gaming or whatever, v- via, you know, these alternative personalities that we take on when we put words on a page or, or play games or whatever. And then in the real life, they kind of despise each other. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it seems to be uh, a concept that's got a lot of legs. Yeah, really, really good. You also mentioned about Wordle, Mr. Stain. You said that you've not you've not succumbed. No, I feel like um and every every day I see another writer fall to Wordle. And I feel <laughs> like, you know, um the uh the the 1970 Philip Kaufman invasion of the body snatchers were at the end. You know, I feel like I'm the last survivor and I see Donald Sutherland and he hasn't been got yet, and then he turns and goes, <laughs> I feel like that. I feel like I'm the last writer on the planet who's not doing Wordle. But I do I think it's a I, I do have a word game on my phone which I play first thing in the morning. It is a nice way to get the things the, the brain to the thing, the thing in my head. <laughs> the thing in your head. The, the, the thing in my head that makes thoughts work, it gets that working. <laughs> and, uh, so that's happy for me. But no, Wordle, I'm, I, I'm oh. not going anywhere near it. Yeah. Oh, I succumbed, Mark. <laughs> I succumbed many weeks ago. Oh, did you? I did, yeah. Well, I love crosswords. Crosswords are my thing. I, yeah. I used to do crosswords kind of as a late teen. Loved loved it. Miss, and then didn't do crosswords for many years. And then found actually during um lockdown we we found that you could you could share a crossword so i do a crossword every night uh you know and we we do it together we, it's like we, you can see the screen you both type on and it's and it's loads of fun um and i like to do crosswords because it does i do think it kind of helps to kind of keep things going but when i saw wordle oh man night yeah absolutely so addictive but um i read this morning actually before we came on air this brilliant story about an old um an old lady that that did was doing Wordle with her daughter and they're on opposite sides. One was in Seattle and one I think was over the other side of uh, the U S and, um, one evening the, the daughter got concerned because the mother hadn't sent her Wordle share. Um, You know, you can basically show what had happened. So she actually ended up bringing up the police and saying, (gasps) I'm a little bit concerned. My, my mum 
hasn't been in communication today. She hasn't sent me her wordle. <laughs> anyway, they went on a they went on a well being call, as they call it. It checked out, found that she had been kidnapped and locked what? in a ba- yeah locked in a basement <laughs> by some guy who entered her house naked with a pair of scissors. Like you can't make this stuff up. Seriously, forced her to have a bath in her nighty. Oh my him. god! I know, really weird. And then, and then lock her up in the in the basement, and the police walk in and find this guy who's now obviously under arrest. But all because of Wordle. This this my lovely old lady's so, like I, life has been saved. It was. I, I shouldn't laugh, but no. But I mean, isn't it just bonkers? Absolutely bonkers. Wow. The other thing, though, I have to say, the chap um, who invented Wordle. He sold it to the yes. New York Times. And yeah. um, when I read that, my heart sank. My heart sank because I thought, I mean, good on him. I mean, absolutely brilliant. Like what he, he made it, I think, about five months ago or something and sold it for low millions as they yeah, made it made it for his wife, didn't he? But I really hope I really hope that he had at least a couple of other companies make some bids because I was thinking of publishers. You know how how often we talk about this. You get your first offer come in for your book and you're so excited. You're like, where do I sign? Where do I sign? Yeah, and I yeah. thought, oh, this this Wordle's got like, I think, three million users and it's growing exponentially. Mm. I, th- I just have a sense he's under, he may have sold it a little bit too low. But anyway, to everyone who's a fellow Wordle nut, of which I know there's many <laughs> of them. Um, I think the big debate to have though about these games is, is Wordle better from a writer's perspective as a word game than crosswords and i'm going to say i still i still think crosswords are better because crosswords force you to come up with a word that describes something else whereas wordle is more of a kind of an anagram like fill in the blanks and deduce it's, what word it is but it's mastermind do you remember that board game mastermind i do we and we had, played it colored, recently yeah yeah, yeah we got it out because of wordle yeah, yeah yeah which has nothing to do with the quiz show mastermind which really confused me as a kid it is confusing like who was um, that old guy the old guy with a beard and yeah, the really and young a, lady in her dress yeah, like a, what yeah, was going yeah. on there <laughs> no idea really really he's like a bond villain or something he was and he he's had, like ah mr bond i have some colored pegs which i want you to identify you must save the world if you you're cunning. <laughs> Didn't he have oh, like dear. a really triangular beard? Or am I what like a Van Dyke beard? Yeah, like a Van Dyke beard, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Mastermind was a big, big hit. I think we talked about Mastermind at Christmas, didn't I we? Think we I did. think we yes, did. We've probably yes. done the same gags all over again. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also a I don't know if you've seen it, but um there's a game show from the 80s i think it might be canadian even um oh, i can't remember the name of it now but um people will be screaming it but it's quite wordlesque actually um it was a game show we had to kind of like like guess letters and it filled in and it create it was instead of having like five letters it had like a phrase and then you had to shout it out before the other people got it but yeah it's uh it's but absolutely what i love the about thing, this, the thing i'm in, the thing i'm enjoying most about wordle is the English, English, UK-based authors who get infuriated when they come across US spellings. Like last night. Because uh, that's yeah. that's the whole Twitter feed for the whole morning, is people, yeah, yeah people go, oh, that's not how it's spelled. I know. So, uh, yeah, and you've only got yourselves to blame. Well, yesterday's one was an exactly, it was the first one I couldn't do. And it was all because of a US spelling. I mean, honestly, really. I mean, I shouldn't be complaining. I live in North America, but Canadians spell things more like the Brits, I think generally um but yeah, yeah I, do, here's the thing that i love though yeah. for anyone writing a book <laughs> thinking oh you know every idea has been done to death 
But you then stand back, you think it's 2022 and someone comes up with this game called Wordle and everyone's like, wow, this is new and it's brilliant. The same applies to books. Like it doesn't, there's always a different take. Yeah, it's a word game, but there's always a different slight angle on things. So never feel down that everything's Mm. been used. You can always have a, you know, your own take on something and, and Wordle's proof of that. So yeah, fantastic. I'm sure we're going to get yeah. Wordle, Wordle threads on social media now. But um, but anyway, um, <laughs> apart from that, I want to tell you a quick story about when I, I listen to the podcast as I'm driving sometimes before or the, the, the interview prior to the podcast. And I, I like to use Siri just to make notes about um, some of the things we're going to talk about that the author's <laughs> spoken about, which kind of like piqued my interest. And this morning I looked at my notes, Mark, and, and it was great. I had Miraculous, I had Wordle, and then I had something that said, Gagging sweet. <laughs> Couldn't for the life of me work out what that was. No, um, no listen, for- listen, li- listeners don't know that we spent 10 minutes before the recording trying to figure out what this was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and actually, what it add, you know, with Siri, you know what it's like. You say something and it hears something else, especially my English accent. But actually, what I wanted to talk about was something called the gaming sweet spot. <laughs> Not gagging sweet. Yes. But, <laughs> right. So, but. I thought it was really interesting that Jeevani was talking about, I mean, we obviously talked a lot about gaming, but there is, there is actually um, so many similarities to gaming and writing. There's lots of, and there is this, and there is this thing in gaming called the sweet spot, which is where each level that you, you complete, the developer is trying to find the sweet spot of making something hard enough to be a challenge, but not too hard that you give up. And I was thinking about how we could apply that to yes. writing as a plot line, like making it intriguing mm-hmm. enough to keep people like reading, but not too convoluted or complex that people just like, oh, I can't work out what's going on here. And I, and, and and gaming has really nailed this because they can measure it in millions of players all playing at the same time with real-time information coming in about how long it's taken them to complete a level. Because all these apps are like, they're all connected to the data, you know, the the servers of the the gaming whereas we can't do that in books yeah we yeah. can't we do you know how brilliant it would be mark if we could have a an ability to with beta readers for example to see real time at what point they stop reading our book or how long it took them to start reading again well that's that'd be cool it's something it's something i try in some ways you can um, because if you leave notes in a Word doc or a Scrivener doc or a Google doc or whatever, there's usually a timestamp. So if you want to get get down to that kind of detail, you can. Because I I notice when I get uh, edits back from you know my editor, I can look through and say, okay, they read you. You say it'll be you know this this comment was made on Monday at noon and then you, there'll be a whole bunch of Monday notes and then it's Tuesday notes and when, and then you kind of think oh okay it took them four days to read this and they worked in sort of three hour blocks or whatever uh, but the other thing I do is as when, if someone gives me a book for feedback for an edit or, or a reader's report or whatever I will sort of put almost real time comments and say okay this bumped me out of the story. And then when there's an explanation two chapters later, I will circle back to that and go, okay, this confused me. It made sense two chapters from now, but maybe you need to go back and just add something in here just to, so the reader doesn't get bumped out of the story. So I I do do that, and I appreciate that when editors and beta readers do that to me. So you can kind of 
do something, obviously not to the microscopic detail that gamers are doing. And I imagine as well that the likes of Kindle and Apple have all kinds of data about when people give oh, up yeah. on a book and put it, you know, and do but not that's finish never and fed all that back. Kind of stuff. That's never fed back no. to the author, though, right? I mean, that no. would be so <laughs> useful, wouldn't it, in our... Yeah. Because if we could, if some, if you could get a report that would pinpoint to you, look, you've got a major problem in chapter six because fifty percent of people have dropped out and they never yeah. kept reading. And you could go back and tweak that, like they do mm. in the gaming industry, tweak yeah, the yeah, sweet yeah. spot, and then and then see if it changes. Like, oh, suddenly people are getting through chapter six, and then because you just never know, you just never know, and it's. Um, I'd love it to. Th- I'd love to think that as authors, one day we'll be able to get that level of information because it can only help us. And when it's statistically based rather than, um, you know, qualitatively based by say, you know, 20 beta readers who, who might all say, Oh yeah, there's something funny about this chapter. But if you can actually see a stat, you know, I'm all about the numbers as you know, but if you can see a, a figure, I mean, it would be, it would be pretty, pretty conclusive evidence, wouldn't it? But um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see, if someone one day develops something like that, I think it could be very, very useful. It's similar to the kind of feedback you sometimes get with, because um, uh, with feedback from TV shows uh, from uh, test screenings, test groups, yeah, 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 and and that kind of thing. And you, they they are they do have very very detailed um, uh, forms that you fill out, but also. <laughs> my only experience with this is an episode of The Simpsons called The Itchy, Scratchy and Poochie Show where they have the kids, and I'm sure this happens in real life, where they have the kids, you know, turning a dial, you know, I'm engaged, I'm bored, I'm engaged, I'm bored, that kind of thing. Mm. So I'm sure a lot of that testing goes on uh, uh, with with TV, where they have the budget to do it, where they have the resources to do it. Um, but obviously when you're talking about 80, 90, 100,000 words in a novel, it's it's so much more difficult to quantify. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It is. Now, I want to ask you, Mark, about the dream declaration that you announced inadvertently during <laughs> the chat. This is, this is brilliant. This is something I've never heard before, and yet it makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. Cosplay. Yeah. Cos- an ambition to see somebody yep, yep, yep. dress up as a character that you've created in cosplay that i mean that is that's a brilliant dream declaration right there it's something um i i can't remember where i heard it i heard someone say um you, you know if you can identify your characters in silhouette then there's something about those characters that becomes iconic and certainly in the witches of woodville uh, the third book um two of the characters appear sort of out of the gloom and I described their shape. And I would hope that by the time we get to the third book, the reader goes, oh, that's that character and that character. You know, I, I kind of hope that they 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 identify them. And similarly in Unwelcome, um, the uh the character uh uh played by um oh Hannah John Carmen, right? So she's she's pregnant, she's got this beautiful yellow dress and a big belly. And there's a part of me desperately hoping that some Comic-Con or Fright Fest or something like that, I'm going to see women dressing up, at least pregnant women, or putting a fake bump and pretending to be her because she has these DMs and she's got this lovely yellow dress and, you know, she's got kind of a fist sponge as well. So it's this thing that I'm very conscious of now when I write it in the script or in the character description. I want it to be 
kind of iconic, iconic and yeah. something that uh, it's always the costume has always been a bit of a blind spot for me, but it's something I've become a lot more aware of in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's it's great detail. I mean, you just you just go back to like the Lord of the Rings screenings and the Harry Potter screenings, and you think about the, <laughs> the cinemas absolutely filled with like dress up and uh, I've never actually been to a Comic Con convention or a cosplay convention, but I've seen. I've seen videos on YouTube and the like, and it does look absolutely spectacular. It looks like so much fun. Oh, mate. You're in for a treat. What you need to do, what you need to do is do what Claire did um, when she came to, a co- first time she came to a Comic-Con with me and get slightly drunk. <laughs> uh, and, and she was like, she was like, a, oh, look at him. Oh, is it? Oh, look at, oh, look at you. Look just like that thing. So yeah, that, that, it, that will enhance your enjoyment of it. But yeah, go, going back to, to Harry Potter, I mean, you, you think of that, all you, all you need with Harry Potter is the lightning on the forehead and the glasses. And yeah. instantly you know who that character is. And that's yeah. that's the genius of that. You know, uh, when you think of Bond, it's the tuxedo and the gun, the arm folded and the tuxedo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the face is blank, but just that pose and everything, you know exactly who it is. So it's um, even, even something like the Beatles, you know, if you have four men crossing a zebra crossing, you know who, in silhouette, you know who yeah. those people are. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what it is? I think that, I mean, we we know that kids love to dress up. You know, I mean, it's probably one of the <laughs> one of the memories of childhood. I think the, the dress up box. Um, but people forget that we're really just big kids. Mm. We we love we love an excuse to dress up. Like who doesn't? Who who dreads going to a fancy dress party but actually has the best time of their life <laughs> by the end of it? Right. I must say though, one of my one of my favorite experiences of, of, of dressing up was um, when I was doing kind of festivals, there was this great festival called the secret garden party. Um, and it was, a, it was kind of more of a small, like 5,000 people. It was a boutique festival, they call it, but the, it was so brilliant. It was in this amazing, it was in this amazing um, grounds and it had this big lake. And I remember DJing in a pagoda over this lake and they'd put out mm. a dance floor on on the water, built out of those things that military vehicles go over when they oh, stack. Yeah, yeah that's, that was the dance floor. Sunset, I mean, playing this dance amazing. music, it was brilliant. But one of the best things about that festival is they had two campsites. They had the campsite really close to the, the main festival area and then the campsite that that was a real walk away. And if anyone's ever been to a big festival, you know, like with Glastonbury, for example, you have to walk, you sometimes have to walk like half an hour to get from one <laughs> side to the other. It's like proper trek. <laughs> but what they did is they said, anyone who comes to the festival in fancy dress uh, has the VIP campsite nearby. So nice. people that, so, so as a result, so many people came as fancy dress and it just changed the whole atmosphere of the whole weekend because yeah. like literally more than half the people were dressed up. And it's absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So you're absolutely right to think about like, how do you make, how do you, what can you use for your character to create something iconic, something in addition to just like, just another character wearing a suit and tie or a dress or. The last time I dressed up was for um, secret cinema. You know, this phenomenon of secret cinema where you sort of, uh, this was the Blade Runner one. Okay. So uh, you sign up to Secret Cinema and they create the world of the film in a secret location. 
And they've done wow. things. They did a Back to the Future one. They did a Star Wars one, which I missed, bizarrely. Um, they've done uh, Romeo and Juliet, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, I think. And then they did a Blade Runner one. And uh, a bunch of Galantz people went this when I was still at Orion. Um, and so you sign up and you're given a character name and a few details. Here's a weird coincidence. My character was called Nathaniel Woodville. So go figure, okay. Random. And I, I was already There's writing the sign. books by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, you had to sort your own costume. So I'm, I'm a huge Blade Runner fan, and I was this, this denizen of the streets. I wasn't one of the cool ones. I was just some low life. Um, so I put together a, a costume, and I really got into it. It was the first proper immersive acting I'd done since I was running a theatre company, and I really got in character. I kept the accent the whole night, everything. It was it was like – and then afterwards you step out and you, you're on the tube. <laughs> and it, was, it was like stepping out of a dream. It was If you ever get a chance to do secret cinema, do it, because you, you have to create a character. You build a character up. And random people who are – employed by secret cinema like actors will stop i was interrogated they're asking me questions of you went to this place we saw you in this place what did you see and i had to improvise and think <laughs> on the spot wow. and it was it was brilliant absolutely brilliant do you actually really, watch really the film as well or is it just literally you show up in a set you watch yeah you, so you show, show up on the set and there's like two hours of interactivity oh, okay. and then you watch the film the film was ironically the worst it was really badly projected and the sound was terrible and i'm sitting there thinking i've got the blu-ray at home sod this i'm going so <laughs> i left uh, i'd had a long journey home as well it's not long after we moved here um but yeah yeah it's uh Brilliant. it's pretty amazing it's pretty amazing love it absolutely love it now one of the other things that jeveny i mean big theme obviously throughout the time that you've interviewed her a number of times is just the joy that comes out of a writing i think it's such a it's such a lovely thing, isn't it? Because you think of writing as being, you know, we talk about in the podcast about being such a hard thing to do, and and yet Jeevany finds the joy in it. Well, yeah, and also there was this article a couple of weeks ago, and take this with as big a pinch of salt as, as you want, but uh, it, the bookseller said, oh, literary agents are projecting predicting joy will be a dominant theme among submissions in 2022 with cozy crime continuing and renewed fervor for historical fiction and vampires uh so you know go figure i mean it's one of these things where um if you start writing it now your joy book now uh the trend will have moved on there'll be yeah. something else happening but if you've got something joyful then uh then you might be in luck but who knows you know do you know it, what it is though it's it's just the opposite of whatever's happening out in society that's what the yeah. book world ref like references like if everyone's down and like covid's been really challenging and everyone's like oh, oh right what do we need we need the antidote right so in books we're now going to have joy and so and and if everything's going great in the world and we're in you know things are everything's going smoothly then obviously we need more horror or more exactly terror yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. but yeah i think that's how it works isn't it so if you can predict if you can predict where the world will be next year right the opposite i guess very rich man yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> that's brilliant but it is it is good to remember that that it's like i know writing can have its challenges but you've got to have you've got that at the end of the day you've got to get more joy out of it yeah ultimately yeah. and i know a lot of joy comes from finishing a book and seeing how the book 
can succeed and the joy you get from readers telling you how much they loved it. I mean, that's a lot of the payback, isn't it? It happens yeah. after the writing. But like, what if we changed our mindset and we thought, you know, I've, I've got I've got my 200 words to write today. I'm going to really enjoy this. I'm going to actually like sit down and, and change my attitude from being, oh, this is so hard. I can't get through this. But to like, just relax and, and, and enjoy the process a bit more. And that's, maybe that will lighten things up a bit. That's exactly it. Even the hard bit, enjoy the hard bits because it's, um, the, for me, storytelling is about problem solving. It's figuring out how people tick, how they work and how they would react in situations. So has a lot in common with crosswords, which is why I well, think Wordle is popular with writers, that kind of problem solving kind of thing. Yeah, you nailed it. The funny thing is I look at my kids playing video games and they will quite happily dedicate, if they if I let them, 15 hours a day to working hard, working yeah. hard solving video games. And crosswords, again, it's like it's 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 taxing, it's challenging. And yet because it's seen a wordle, because it's seen as a game, it's fun. Mm. Yeah. So what if we switched writing from a like, you know, it's a challenge, but it's fun as opposed to it's a challenge and it's an absolute nightmare to to write, you know, well, that's, hard work. That's how I see it. It is that is yeah. exactly how I see it. The I mean, I I've had a if if you follow my hashtag 200 words a day, if you follow me every day on Twitter. So today I wrote something like 397 mediocre words. Today was not a good writing day, you know, so I put that on Twitter. But funnily enough, you know, those mediocre words, I've been thinking, how can I improve that? And just before we started recording, I wrote something in my notebook to spark me off tomorrow because actually it's taken me nine hours, but I figured out what I need to do tomorrow that's going to make it work. Brilliant. So yeah. it all has its it all it all has a purpose at the end of the day. It's fantastic, yeah. brilliant stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, before we dive into social media, Mark, I want to tell you this really brilliant story. Yes, tell me, tell me. Okay, tell me. okay. So um, there's a an eight year old boy, an eight year old boy in uh, Idaho, and uh, his name's Dylan Helbig, H E L B I G, and he he wrote his own book called The Adventures of Dylan Helbig's Christmas by, and I love this. By Dylan him by Dylan himself. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you a picture actually. Maybe we could put this this on. I'll just share my screen quickly. But what he basically did is he wrote this like and he 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 put some serious effort into it. He put some serious effort into it. Um and he decided that he was basically going to um slip it into oh. his bookshelf. On the library, in his local <laughs> library. Look at these pictures. Look, he, he created he created, he created little Christmas pictures, and he's got chapter to the North, to Pole, North Pole. Right? Fantastic! And look at look at this picture of swirling like something about in. I landed in his stomach. Anyway, wow. so he he slid it in. He slid it into his local library without anyone knowing or looking. Not even his parents knew he'd done it. And. Um, and then one of the librarians found it and they pulled it off the shelf and they, they had a look at it and they started reading it and they absolutely loved it. And they passed it around the library to all the librarians and they said, you know what, this is brilliant. And anyway, it turns out that they they actually actually have put an official barcode on it oh. and it now has, and this is the best bit, it now has a year waiting list to take it out of the library. <laughs> the best story ever that is brilliant dylan we salute you young I man think, that is fantastic and, and, and the best bit is they they actually invented a new award at the library called the houdini award just a little owl with um with glasses called the best young novelist 2021 and and dylan was the first recipient of it and um 
Yeah, I just think that's such a lovely story that, you know, and he had one copy in this little hardback book, little notepad where he'd drawn it and he, and he, was, he wanted to put it on the shelf. That is brilliant. How old is he? Nine years old? Eight, nine He's years eight, old? Eight years old. Eight years yeah, old. Now, just a warning to adult authors. If you try that in your local library, the librarian will take um, A to M of the nearest encyclopedia and beat you over the head with it. So don't try that. If You can only get away with this if you're young and adorable. So uh, don't I try that if you're it. grown up. Absolutely love it. And they're now talking to him, apparently, because of the long waiting list. It says... Um, they're they're talking with Dylan's mum about possibly creating an ebook version of the adventures oh. of Dylan Helbig's Christmas C H C R I S M I S to share Fantastic. as well. But I just Trademark. love that fifty five people are in the waiting list um, to get that book out. So well done, Dylan. I well think that's done, brilliant. And that's who knows fantastic. where his career is going <laughs> to blossom from here. Yeah. Nothing like a bit of initiative in, the, in our youngsters. Brilliant stuff. Fantastic. So talking about other success stories, Marker here, it's been quite quite the. Uh, quite the successes on social media this week. Well, we've got, we got some wonderful news here and we've got something from Matt Anathaziu. And Matt, I apologise for the number of times I've mangled your surname as a member of the Academy or as a listener of the show. But Matt has, um, he has, he's, he said, I've been mean to share that I received my contributor's copy of Crow Toes Coursely magazine with my children's horror poem, The Marmagar, uh, lots of beautifully terrifying art and stories inside. So huge congrats to you, Matt. Matt, of course, one of the f- one of the first members of the Academy. He was, yeah. Uh, the Best Hello Academy. And he's getting his stories out there, which is just fantastic. So Brilliant. congrats on that, Matt. Um, Mike Shackle. Now, you'll know uh, Mike of has been on the show a couple of times, and I'm going to be getting Mike on again because Matt posted on Facebook. He said, everyone knows I started writing We Are the Dead, which is his fantasy series, The Last War. Uh, we Are the Dead is the first book in the Last War series. He says, everyone knows I started writing We Are the Dead after listening to the bestseller experiment right back at the beginning. Well, here we are, the page proofs to book three all 800 pages of them. After this, my time with these characters is over. I feel quite emotional. And his book is Until the Last, which feels like such an an appropriate title for the last part of a a trilogy. Until the Last, book three of The Last War, Mike Shackle. Well, Mike, it's all weirdly come full circle. Um, So I want to get Mike back on when Until the Last is published later in the year to talk about that whole journey and the ups and downs and, uh, you know, so... Congrats, Mike. Huge congrats. And I love that Mike's kept us so kind of like he's kept us every stage along the way of this journey. It's been so great documenting every stage, Mike, and we absolutely salute you for keeping everyone else going and inspired by your successes. Now, every week on the Academy and in the Best Sellers Group, experiment group on facebook we have a little sunday roundup where we say okay what have you been up to this week have you banked any words have you what are your successes blah 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 um and everyone comes in i've written this i've done that or i'm struggling with this how you know it's all you know all very honest and open craig anderson again one of our longest long, longest serving listeners craig anderson said had kidney stone surgery this week which slowed me down a tad <laughs> just over 9000 words hoping to pick up the pace again this week <laughs> oh my gosh so, that is now, bonkers i've had a few kidney i haven't had any surgery i've had a few kidney stones it is agony and I basically curl into a ball and whimper for about a week. I certainly don't get 9,000 words down. So, Craig, wow. Craig, you are, you know, that's incredible. Incredible. Superhuman. So, 
But look Super after yourself, young. Craig. Look after yourself. Don't overdo it, mate. You know? Brilliant. Um, wonderful. The wonderful Lorna Cook, who, again, longtime member of the BXP group on Facebook. Her new book, The Dressmaker's Secret, is now out. And there's a lovely video of her online doing a little happy dance uh, with that. And <laughs> that you'll that. find that in supermarkets across the UK, The Dressmaker's Secret. So grab your copy now and check that out. And then last, but by no means least, um, so we've got um, Tracy Montague, who, who writes as Trey Montague, uh, and she posted this. Uh, she said, announcing the New Beginnings Poetry Competition winner. And this is uh, from the Curtis Brown Creative uh, people. They said, we're delighted to announce the winner of the New Beginnings Poetry Competition selected by the CBC team and award-winning poet uh, Anthony Anna, oh, there's another surname I'm going to mangle. Apologies to Anthony. Anaxaguru from the over 500 budding poets that submitted their powerful poems in response to the theme, New Beginnings. The winner of the prize is Trey Montague with her poem, Mantra. Trey has been awarded £500 and a free place on their course. So, um, Trey, huge, huge, huge congrats for that. I'm going to post a link to the poem, uh, on the sh- in the show notes because uh, it's really powerful stuff, really really powerful stuff, and I won't read it. First of all, copyright reasons, but also it's from a women's point of view, and I think it's the the voice really comes across on the page. So Trey, huge congrats on that, and uh, this is just the beginning, I think. I know. I remember Sir Trey dropped me a note actually at the weekend to let me know what happened. I was just over the moon. Absolutely yeah. incredible work, and oh. Well, I mean, that's rock. That's got rocket in your fuel tank, isn't it? Really, when things like Rangers. that happen, absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. But no you know, so much, so well deserved. Because I know Trey's been working, working away at the craft for for, for a long time. And brilliant, brilliant news, Trey. Congratulations. So, folks, uh, get in touch with us at bestsellerexperiment.com. You'll find a contact tab there, or you can find us on social media. Facebook is Bestseller Experiment. Twitter and Instagram is at Bestseller XP. And if you've enjoyed today's show, if you've gleaned some little bit of writing wisdom, if you think there's a writer friend of yours that will uh, get something from it, then share this far and wide. Tell your friends, tell your writing groups, give us a rating uh, on your podcast provider because those things really do make us more visible. They help us get uh, get reach out to writers who, you know, maybe think, oh, that first draft, oh, no one's going to listen to me. No one wants to hear what I've got to say. Well, we do, they do, the world does get involved. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you would like to get the daily writing habit, join us in the 200wordchallenge.com. That's 200wordchallenge.com. The aim is to just write simply 200 words a day and you will have a finished book by the end of 12 months. So Drop, drop us a, a note if you're if you're doing that if you're finding it's help actually let us know and we'll, we'll kind of cheer you along as you go but do do get involved with that and if you'd like to support this podcast if you find this podcast helps you keeps you going then please please do support the podcast by popping along to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support and finally if you would like to join us as mark said earlier in the academy uh, as our, we join us for coaching sessions twice a month um, loads of courses we've got online and all kinds of incredible incredible material that you will not find anywhere else um, pop along to bestseller academy uh, sorry academy.bestsellerexperiment.com catch us um, every we, time yeah and we'd love to see you i'd love to see you there and um, we look forward. If you've got any questions, just drop me a note there. 
I just want to say, in a few weeks' time, we have a guest on the show who is a Patreon supporter who has sold their book on auction and it's being published internationally. I'm not saying the two things are directly connected, but it can't hurt, can it? You know, you don't know can. until you try. This yeah. could be massive as well, folks. I can't wait to, <laughs> to, to hear more about. But we have, yeah, we've got some really, really big breakout authors coming through this year. So, uh, yeah, watch this space, folks. Anyway, Mr. Stay, that, all that leaves me is to have a very, very good week. Enjoy. Your you writing. Too. I hope you. I hope you have another good roller coaster. More of the uh, the highs. <laughs> lots than of the screaming. Uh, lots of yeah. As long as you're screaming, then you're <laughs> having fun, really. And always make sure you just sit at the front of the roller coaster for obvious reasons. That's all yeah. I'll say. Um, but everyone, have a fantastic <laughs> writing week. Uh, get those two hundred words a day down, and we look forward to chatting with you all next week. And so it's a goodbye from Mark One, and a goodbye from Mark Two. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye.